Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, film lovers. And that slightly breathy noise just before is Buddy the dog, who is just staring at me. What do you want? Uh, something. Uh, Buddy the film Fandango dog. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, movies and films and the flicks, uh, etc. Yeah, and you might think, oh, if you listened last week to our anticlimactical turn of episode... Yes. ...that our Marek still sounds ill, it's because we're, we're recording this in advance because I've got to go... Uh, back to I'm going back to the Isle of Wight for a little break, so that's why I still sound poorly. Don't worry, Marek hasn't been ill for two weeks. Well, that's... I might still sound like this. You might be dead. In which case, <laughs> I want to say <laughs> thank you for your patience, first of all, yeah. David. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for... Um, thanks to my mum and dad and family for being supportive and to people working in the industry I'd, I'd like to say you know fuck you <laughs> thanks for never giving me a chance you, well, ass, you you assholes I'm looking forward to playing this back at your actual funeral whenever that is uh, so you're no, looking forward to my funeral it's going to be great it's going to be do you think you're really going to outlive time. me you're really confident about that I'm really confident about that okay <laughs> Uh, well, Marek's been to see a film this week, um, yes. which uh, is a bit bit more niche than our usual uh, cinema fare, isn't well, it? This is on. This actually, since as regular as might know, I live in sort of Crouch End, Muswell Hill area in North London, and my Muswell Hill Odeon mm. now it's turned into an everyman. Okay, which means they're showing films like the uh, the, the documentary I went to see. Which an Odeon would never, never show documentaries before. Not really, you know, maybe Amy or Senna. Yeah. But not, nothing particular. So what's it called? This is called The Wolf Pack. The Wolf Pack, and what's it about? Well, it is about uh, a family who live in this flat. <coughs> Excuse me. In the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And it's in a sort of a, quite a rough area. Uh, in this big block quite high up in this block and there are seven children and the parents and mums used to sort of ex-hippie and the dad's just just they don't say where he's from he looks like he might be Peruvian or right. that, somewhere in South America 
and they, they they grew up in this flat and because the dad doesn't want to work but he doesn't he is so concerned about the ideas of the west infiltrating his children and the violence outside is that the kids have been brought up these six boys and a girl we didn't really hear about the girl in the flat and they've sometimes they only ever leave like once a year and they've just spent their entire youth like sort of these almost like feral children in this flat and the only way they escape is through watching films wow wow so they uh, but they've let a documentary crew in well I think this is this shows them and their progression through the documentary person obviously came in later on right and had this footage of them when they were younger and interviewed them and so they, it's home videos they've used. It's a lot for those bits, yeah. yeah, yeah. Home videos with sort of more modern stuff. And it shows them literally all watching films and they've made their own they've copied out and printed out like hand like you would do when you were children. Handwritten scripts. They've made to type script. They all learnt different characters. Yeah. Their favourite scripts are things like Reservoir Dogs and things like Pulp Fiction. Uh where they, because there's seven, there's lots of parts. They can all, all these boys yeah, can yeah. play, and and they've made all the props that are sellotape and masking tape, uh, like Batman. They've done, but you know, Dark Knight Returns. The Batman costume is amazing, and it's made out of a yoga mat, mat and cereal packets. So they've created <laughs> that whole, whole fantasy world that they go and make these films for fun, remakes of films they watch yeah. as their way of not going mad. And interviews, in, and then one day, one of the kids goes out. He decides because their dad's got the keys to the front of the house, so he lets them out. One day, when their dad goes out, he decides to let himself out of the flat. But because he doesn't want people to know who he is, he wears one of his props out as a head. Guess what? So what sort of head would you wear if you were going to go wandering around New York? Uh, what sort of what? What sort of, one, head? what sort of? Uh, characters paper mache head would be one of the worst you could wear in New York yeah or anywhere in particular Hitler no uh, <laughs> that'd be pretty bad Michael Myers okay <laughs> from Halloween <laughs> wow so this 15 year old decides he's going to go out because he doesn't know anyone to know who he is and these kids have all got long hair you know straight hair and they look quite, sort of half Peruvian they're quite odd and they're dressed in sort of like as if someone's an alien trying to... Uh, yeah, yeah. Mimic yeah. humankind. Um, so it's fascinating. I don't think it really ever touches... There's some sort of dark stuff going on that is alluded to. Yeah. And one of the kids is quite dark and they interview about three or four of the kids and they follow them. And obviously since then they start they start going out more and they gradually... Uh, just fight, rebel against their father's almost like tyrannical oppression, which has led to them being in prison pretty much. Right. And they gradually get out and you see what they're doing now. So it's fascinating to see... Um, what is fascinating is seeing the endeavour and the work they've put, created this world to, you know, as a way of them exist surviving. Yeah. And they can see... What's all about it? It's not, they're not separated from society... From their window, they can see, see New York, and there's footage of people walking around and all these cars. So like they a can busy see freeway. it. They're just not allowed to interact with yeah. it at all. It's, it, it's it, I mean, miraculous that's... how just. It's a bit like those stories when you have, you know, people didn't realise 
that next door there was someone you know being held hostage for yeah. 15 years below or oh well that guy's got a slave he's not allowed out the house but no one knows because no one yeah. knows their name it, it's reminding me of a film Tom Tuck brought into the podcast many many weeks ago months ago even um, it was called Apple or The Apple something like okay. that and it was a documentary again I think set in Iraq maybe but about two young girls who were locked in the uh, their flat by their dad who just wouldn't let them out because he was too afraid of what might happen to them and it's about you know sort of social services getting involved and eventually getting them to but really odd you know because they've only got each other and their parents for company that's it that's the only perspectives of the world they've ever seen I mean these kids are really intelligent and sophisticated kids yeah so their mum homeschooled them and she did quite... They all seemed... I, I don't know. It doesn't really delve too much. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my criticism, I think, should the documentary maker pushed it a bit more and spoke to the father more? It seems all a bit... It's a brilliant story, but is there some... There's a hint at a darkness that's not fully explored. Right. Because that... I mean, there is something deeply dark about locking all of your kids up and not letting them out. I mean, yeah. surely that... It shouldn't be like, oh, they dress up as film characters. But and why weren't social services involved? Yeah, they, yeah. All, they are going to see psychologists now. and they have But that's not really... There's a lot of unanswered questions. Right. But as a, you know, as a different documentary, it's quite, it has that sort of problem with documentaries. Which in, we're so used to watching films. We're so used to having that arc and having that final ending to the story. Mm-hmm. Most documentaries don't have that, unless they're sports documentaries, which which gives you that perfect, you know, sporting ending. Or they're about, you know, somebody's life ending tragically short. Yeah. Like Senna or Amy, where you do have a sad ending, you know, that you know is coming. Yeah, so there isn't that sort of ending. But um, I thought it was very interesting. I, I was quite refreshed that something like this would get a cinema release. Yeah, it sounds like... Um, uncharacteristic cinema fair, doesn't it? It's, it's in that we're in that the really weird lull, which is end of the summer holidays. Yeah, but before October. Before October, before so this is where yeah. you're going to get those art house films. The blockbusters start again with Skyfall in October, and then we're into Star Wars and all of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The end of the summer holidays. The one week. You get you can put good your quality art, films. Art, art house films make it into mainstream cinema. Wow, so how many Marricks would you Seven get? Seven Marricks. Seven Marricks. Is it The Wolf Pack or just Wolf Pack? It's The Wolf Pack. The Wolf Pack. All right, well, track it down, people. It sounds interesting. Oh, I've got an email here. Who's it from? It's from Joff Walters, and he he speaks like an old British general. <laughs> does he? Am I doing I'm sure it? he does. Yeah, my voice has hurt me, so you have to do yeah. all the reading. Okay, fine. Joff Walters. Um, old British general, did you say? Right, right. Hello there, Merrick, buddy, David. Over the past few weeks, I note that you've been asking for recommendations from the streaming service Netflix, and it's kind. With this in mind, I thought I might suggest a trip down science fiction memory lane. You see, as youngsters, myself and my brother Michael rather enjoyed the releases from B-movie outlets like Empire Pictures and Full Moon. These were shocking horror and sci-fi cash-ins, sort of the sharknadoes of their day. 
Back then, the special effects were all very Harryhausen, and the costumes and set design was comical at best. But these films were great outlets for actors and scriptwriters trying to break through, so there are some real gems to be found. Anyway, I'd like to suggest a B-movie sci-fi double feature to your listeners. My first suggestion is the classic Robot Jocks. It's one of the few live-action mecha films ever made outside of Pacific Rim. It has real heart, and of course, the amazing catchphrase, Crash and Burn. To follow, I'd recommend the only classic alien boxing movie I know, Arena. A man has four arms. Another man fights a giant alien cricket. What's not to like? Both of these films are currently on Netflix. Robot Jocks is screaming out for a camp comedy remake, in my opinion. Anyway, I speak like an old British general, so that's the voice to shoot for. Wolfsball! Of course, Wolfsball! Kind regards, John <coughs> Walters. Um, I've, I've spat all over your laptop there doing that. That's alright, I mean, that's probably clean it. <laughs> um, I, haven't, I haven't searched for B-movies on Netflix, that sounds like a good idea. Robot Jocks! Yeah. Now, we were just talking about Netflix before. We th- thought before uh, a lot of people said that they found our Netflix recommendations quite useful. So yeah. we thought we are going to go through in the second half and talk about some films we've seen that you might like to watch. Now, I've got a couple. I've got a couple on Netflix. My problem, we're talking about the Netflix... Netflix. Netflix. <coughs> Excuse me. You're right. The Netflix interface is a total load of shit. Apparently, it's an incredibly sophisticated algorithm as well. Somebody's tried to hack it, you see. Someone's tried to unpick what it is. And you know where it says, you know, sexy films with a dog in them, or, you know, films with Gene Hackman I near a lab. I can't believe... Wha- wacky... Oh, I'm looking through mine now. Yeah. Wacky films. I mean, who actually goes, oh, I really fancy... Would I really fancy watching a wacky film. Or maybe has their algorithm thing decided that I'm some sort of arsehole. It probably thinks you like wacky films. Uh, it listens to you as you sleep and goes... Why is there not a list of the films? Just write a list of it. Well, that's interesting, and I think you've probably hit on something there. Maybe they predicted that if people know the entire catalogue, if they can read the entire catalogue of the service, they know exactly what it is they're paying for, and they go, oh, it's not that great. Whereas if you can mystify people, you can never find on Netflix the full catalogue, then you, you, go, oh, never you always found. imagine it's bigger than it is. I found Robot Jocks now. Now, I'm worried about clicking on Robo Jocks, and, if it, unless it, and then I'll get films about robotic men. So if you put Robo in, Robocop, yep. Robocop 3, Robo Sapien, I've just put Robo Jocks, Robotic Machine Machinations, Ted Talks, yep. Robotech, The Shadow Chronicles, Power Rangers, Megaforce, and The Great Train, Robbery. <laughs> robbery. The Robbery. But half these films that I would never even know. No, we're on there unless you put the word Robo in. What happens if you put the word... Um, Fat in. Fat. Fat. F-A-T. F-A-T. Fat, sick and nearly dead. The world's fattest man. Father Brown. <laughs> fat, sick and nearly dead too. And then, uh, big fat gypsy gangster. <laughs> okay. Since my father... I mean, I don't even know... What, I want to find a complete list of what is on You can't. Netflix. You can't. It's impossible. They've hidden it. They've hidden it all. Um, <coughs> any recommendations, Mary? Well... There's a lot of people should have seen already, like Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Yep. 
Um, no Country for Old Men. Uh, uh, Step Brothers. Into the World is quite interesting. I, mean, I saw one recently uh, that is an old classic uh, that I just hadn't seen. It's it's not one that people talk about very often, but I thought it was excellent, uh, which is um, Escape from Alcatraz. Clint Eastwood film, 76, is it? Some... I recommended it last time we did the next Oh, that's then. right, you did. Um, well, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was absolutely excellent, but I think it's probably been overshadowed by Shawshank Redemption because the plot is similar. The way he escapes is very similar. Shawshank Redemption is a better told story. It's almost the same story, but Shawshank is just told in a more interesting way. Yeah. Um, but the fact that this is you know, based on true events in terms of how he actually escaped Alcatraz. It's it's really it's really interesting. And it's got some shocking moments as well. It's not just, you know It reminds you how good um Clint Eastwood was. Yeah. Yeah. Um once there's a documentary on there I watched really recently and Netflix have started doing there's a talk of them <coughs> I'm really sorry about my coughing everyone. Um there's talk of Netflix dropping a whole load of films. They're changing their contracts and becoming more of a producer of of of, of content of its own TV right. shows. Yeah, yeah. But they occasionally do do some interesting documentaries. And one is What Happened to Miss Simone, which is a documentary about Nina Simone, who I was always thought was just a great singer, but she was an incredible classical pianist, and that was her first love, and she just sang to work in clubs to get money, to get, right. to get, get by. This is a really fascinating documentary where they've got footage of her daughter... Her husband, previous footage of her, and how she dealt with sort of being bipolar, pretty much, right. and her career, and how she spoke out for, you know, uh, for the black civil rights movement, and then lost a lot of her. Was so vocal about it, and so that she lost a lot of work, yeah, and ended up uh, changing the course of her career. That's a really fascinating documentary. There's also a really great documentary, I think, which influenced so many documentaries now in TV. It's a spe- called Spellbound. It's about the 1990... Oh, the Spelling Bee thing. The Spelling Bee one. And there are programmes which have basically lifted this idea of a format. Yeah. Because it gives you that... It's a documentary which gives you the ending. You know, you've got... You're following eight kids. Uh, we, like I just talked about, you haven't... With Wolfpack, you haven't necessarily got that big ending. Yeah. Here you've got... You've which one created of these kids, a sports movie by yeah, making it, is, it about... It is, yeah. Spelling Bees are just like sports films. Yeah. So I'd really recommend that. I quite with Calvary, which you recommended last Calvary, year. Calvary, yeah, yeah. With uh, I thought it was fantastic. Brendan Gleeson, yeah. It's Brendan uh, Gleeson is absolutely incredible. Oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? I really, really like it. It's this is the follow-up, I guess, to The Guard. It's the same uh, director um, team. I think maybe same producer. Uh, and The Guard's excellent as well, but they're both uh, Brendan Gleeson films. And of course, Netflix is for watching films that you would never ever watch because they put Diana on there now, and I would never pay to watch that film. No. So that might be worth giving that a uh, a bash and seeing how how that works. Um, now I noticed something interesting watching a film on Netflix the other day. I say interesting. I might be quite wrong. I might be the only person who thought this was a little bit weird. But I watched the um, for the first time. I, I hadn't seen it. The nineteen seventy eight. Uh, version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the one with Donald Sutherland, yes, and, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Leonard Nimoy, yeah, uh, incredible team, um, brilliant film, brilliant film. First off, but the thing that I thought was really weird 
was that there is a shot in Invasion of the Body Snatchers and potential spoilers, but not really. The last shot you see of Leonard Nimoy is his hand up to a plate of glass as he is trapped in a room and then it cuts to um, a shot of a ship and the soundtrack is a bagpipes version of Amazing Grace. Now, that is exactly what happens in Wrath of Khan when Spock dies and puts his hand up and the tune that Scotty plays at his funeral is a bagpipe version of Amazing Grace. Wow. And Wrath of Khan came out after Invasion of the Bodies. I mean, look it up on the internet. This is what the internet is for. There is no reference to that coincidence at all. So there's exactly the same death sequence. Pretty much in Invasion of the Body Snatchers for Leonard Nimoy and in Wrath of Khan. And I don't know why it's Bagpipe's Amazing Grace after it. You need to get this footage you put on the internet and get weirdos on this. <laughs> get them on it, see yeah. what they think. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I will, maybe I will. Well, if anybody knows, then do, do, or if anyone else noticed that, then do, do write in. Um, uh, well, mm-hmm. may as well tell you how. Uh, you can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, or you can write to one another on Facebook forward slash filmfandango, or tweet us at filmfandango at Mr. David Reed and at Marit Larwood. Um, anything well, else on Netflix? Yeah, there's a note. I think I've recommended Battle Royale before. Yeah. Harold and Moore we recommended before, yeah, which is yeah. a great. Uh, uh, and there's some, they put some other ones. You, everyone's seen Wayne's World. Yeah, they recently the, added To Kill a Mockingbird, so I'm going to watch that. It's about bloody time. One of the greatest films ever. You haven't seen it, American Wealth in London. Yeah, uh, Tremors is on there. Hooray! Have you, have you not seen Tremors? Yes, I've some, seen Tremors. There's some weird horror films. Have you seen a film called The Sentinel? Oh, a weird. I doubt you have. Is it a weird 1970s? Uh, a horror film uh, The Omen 2 I think it's great yep really great Hard Boiled Hard Boiled I've not seen that in forever Chow Young Fat with guns and a baby right really really good John, early John Woo yeah early John Woo he sort of in, Hard Boiled almost invented that genre of just like so many bullets flying indoors and just smashing the walls but it's to enjoyable it's, oh yeah it's before it still feels non-CGI and quite sort of visceral yeah which yeah, is yeah. good um, it's quite good Netflix for low budget films someone talked before about saying about these time about time travelling films we talked about Prime before mm. I watched a film that someone emailed in our my friend Paul told me about called Coherence right and when you're making a low budget film literally you're screwed for sets and stuff like that and so and things like the Cube is quite a good low budget. We've talked sci-fi. about it before, where they've basically it's set in a series of identical rooms that are lit differently. So they've built one set and then used it again and again. Coherence is really interesting. It's uh, um, p- people have a dinner party around a house. A comet goes over, and the, and they're supposed to, they're told not to go and look at the comet, and it creates this almost like parallel worlds. Where they see another, all the all the lights go out in the area, yeah, and they see another house with lights on, and it turns out that that is this comet has somehow created this parallel universe where there are loads of just them right. around. So it's obviously a great way of making a film where you've only got one house and it's dark outside, and you suddenly expand by using this time traveling device. You suddenly expanded that simple set into just a hundred different uh, yeah, yeah. 
sets and they've got to try and work out who is from their house and not the imposters from the other house and whether they are trying to kill them. I mean, the idea is very complicated and it's really well written. I think the acting is very, very good. The cast are brilliant. So you, you actually feel like they don't know what's going on. It could have been amazing. What? What? Why isn't it? Because you think there's going to be more drama. Oh, I see. I really feel like there's going to be more. There should be more stuff happening, but it's more like the thought processes and trying to follow what's happening in that sort of trying to, the puzzle of trying to work out what's happening. You're working out along with one of the characters who is from that house yeah. and what's happening in, in that certain time. But it's fascinating. Coherence is a really good example of a low budget film. And of course, there's uh, Gorky Park. Have you seen that? No, Gorky Park. <coughs> Gorky Park, the old Russian um, for, uh, with one of my favourite actors, William Hurt. Oh yeah. Do you like William Hurt? I'm not sure about William Hurt. Does, isn't he at the end of History of Violence? Um, I'm not. Sh- yes, I think he probably is. And he's really weirdly comical in what has been a serious film up to that point. It's tr- very strange. He's he, no, he's clearly good. I just that's the part I remember him in. I, I Wasn't he also a- in um, Lost in Space with Matt LeBlanc? See, I know him from like, Children of a Lesser God. Have you ever seen that? No, you've clearly seen better William Hurt films. Ch- I think in the eighties he was at his best. Children of a Lesser God is a great film when he plays this new sp- space um, space. <laughs> a speech uh, therapist at a, sc- at a school for uh, deaf people. Good romance. Uh, good what, what, romance. If you like a good rom-com, watch Children of a Lesser God. Anyway, should we have another quick letter before... Um, we've got... we. Uh, oh, sorry, my voice is all over the That's place. That's all right, it's all right. Yes, who's written in? Well, it is Ben Ben Painter. Ben Painter. How does he speak, Ben Painter? Well... You know him well. He said, can you do this in the style of... Humphrey Bogart, good luck, David. Oh my God, how do you, how does Humphrey Bogart speak? Yes, I just sort of nasally and just quite deep. Well, like, that's Morgan Freeman. Like Morgan Freeman. Um, how does he speak? Nothing like Morgan Freeman. You can't be nasal and deep. They're different parts of your face. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, am I coughing a bit? Just doing like an American detective. Wow. Out of all the gingers no, in like all a, the world, more, not you've had Freeman, to walk it away. Just a, a, an old, sort of 1940s smoking American de- detective in his office. And in a frame. Not like that. <laughs> not like that. Watch so, uh, just a sort, that's New York sort of guy, but it's not a it free bow guy. Like this, like this. Uh, like do you want me to do it? No, I'll do it, it's okay. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it, okay. Fine. I'm just going to do it in a new American detective. Dear buddy, American. Dear buddy, Merrick David, impossible guest. This is nothing like uh, Humphrey Bogart. America's regularly touched upon watching films with family members from different generations and the inevitable awkward viewing that consequently can arise when this happens. My nan lived with my family for most of childhood and all the way through to university age life, so we watched lots of films. Many awful films that she wanted to watch, but she did get me to watch a lot of great films from the 20s to 60s that I would probably never have gotten round to watching, including things like African Queen, Casablanca, The Vikings, Some Like It Hot, (coughs) various Chaplin and Keaton, Keaton films. She has certainly helped with that part of my IMD score just... Just disappointingly, no Kurosawa films. 
the downside of for her was that sometimes it was my choice of film to watch, which leads to my far by far my most awkward and uncomfortable watching experience. I watched Naked Lunch with my nan when I was sixteen, <laughs> and she was in her mid seventies. I think it's fair to say that she didn't really enjoy it, and I certainly didn't enjoy watching it with her. So my questions for you are, what is the best film you have seen that you probably wouldn't have seen thanks to an older relative? And which film did you have the least comfortable viewing experience watching (laughs) because of a family member present? I mean, it's a very specific question. Sorry, body's growling barking dog on the estate um, I can't recall I can recall it happening I can't recall what the film was I was very young but you know when sex scenes come on and you're sat there with your yeah. parents the first time it ever happens is mortifying as a kid I watched when I glanced the fever when I was uh, uh, after I left, uh, left school and I was in bed for three months Yeah, I watched approximately the first minute and a half of Basic Instinct with my mum god where she said, I know this is quite rude and it might not be appropriate. And I, I literally couldn't... And the first scene is basically yeah. thingy triple horn shagging a bloke. And we just sat there. For, it must be about 45 seconds. Went, yeah, I don't think this is right. <laughs> it was awful. And being so ill that I couldn't actually move or do... I was better than I stand now. Have you ever had glandular fever? No. They're really horrible. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've introduced <laughs> me to any good films. Wait, well, old people... No, <laughs> no, not introduced me to any good films. My uh, my grandparents didn't really watch films. Um, I've said before, my uh, my uncle bought my grandfather a copy of Striptease, the Debbie Moore film that was on his bookcase. He never watched it. It's a really odd thing to do. Yeah. And a copy of High Spirits, the uh, Peter O'Toole, Steve Guttenberg comedy. Great doubleheader. Great doubleheader. And Titanic. I don't think he ever watched any of them. Really odd choice of films, though. I assume they were uh, on special special offer. We've got another letter. Yeah? It's from Dodsey in Scotland. Dodsey? That's what he's written. Dodsey. Right. Hello, film lovers. If you read this out, could I have a really stereotypical Scottish accent? Done. I am in the middle of listening to the latest episode, and David mentioned about Danielle guessing the twist of Shutter Island. And I guess the twist from the, from the trailer. I'm not saying I'm a pretentious clever dick, but more of the trend for trailers giving far too much away. Do you get annoyed by film marketing in the same way? And a cheeky follow-up question. What is your favourite actor's mannerism? Basically, in every film, the actor does the same move. Move, move, move. Which takes you out of the film. <laughs> it could be Tom Cruise running in all of his films, or Nick Cage being Nick Cage. James Spader is a good example that he always cocks his head to the side to deliver his lines like in Secretary, Boston Legal and even Avengers 2 as Ultron. Apologies for the length. Keep watching the films from Dodsey in Scotland. Sent by Outlook from Android. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, It's nice to get an Android phone uh, email every now and again. Um, Yeah, things that all actors do all the time. Oh, does it, are we annoyed by trailers giving too much away? Yes. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, actors, Morgan Freeman. What, Morgan Freeman does the same thing? No, he, he does a voice, voiceover. 
Oh, I see. Uh, but mannerisms, though, it's harder to pick out. I'm sure there are people who do, you know, the same thing every time. But uh, the obvious ones are uh, Al Pacino doing the same sort of weird sounds and, uh, and shouting. Yeah. Robert De Niro doing his look. It's uh, Jodie yeah. Foster not putting any facial expression. But I find it quite comforting when you see people being the same thing again. You know, it's like an old trend. They're not trying too hard. They're not. They're not a new stranger. You have to get to know again. Um, mm. Ryan Gosling does the same thing in every every film, really. Lots of hand work without looking at them. Mm. You know, lots of hand acting. Oh yeah, lots of doing fiddling with lighters, stealing focus. Yeah, yeah. And the famous work. one being Steve McQueen, didn't he? When he got playing with his hat. Yeah, on Magnificent uh, Seven. No. And your Brenner got really yeah. annoyed with him. Yeah, he did. Um, let's just have another letter because my voice is really all over the place it is uh, West Country with a hint of Welsh that's Hampstead Welsh again I don't know you can just do some more talking my voice is about okay. <coughs> West Country with a hint West Country with a hint of Welsh hi David Marrick buddy and unlikely guest <laughs> long time listener first time caller love the show have either of you watched a documentary called All This Mayhem? I'm in half a mind that it was you who recommended it. Certainly feels like a Marwood kind of film. He's given you a nickname. Marwood is like you're a celebrity couple. All in yourself. Wow. <laughs> Are you dating yourself at the moment? No, thanks. Uh, that's a shame. Probably what's causing his disease. <laughs> anyway, I knew nothing of the tale and, and wasn't a fan of skateboarding other than playing Tony Hawks on the PS1. I found it a fascinating doc about two brothers' journey to and from the absolute pinnacle of their game. Without spoiling it, there is a little I can talk about. Let's just say stuff happens. Oh, and the old, the order of the Pap- Pappas brother reminded me of a slightly more sane shopper. It is available on Netflix. Give it a watch. I wholly recommend it. Seven Henrys. Cheers, Henry. P.S. Is it possible to spoil a documentary? Discuss. Uh, I think definitely. I think you could spoil, for instance, Searching for Sugar Man rather easily. Uh, it's got a lot of unexpected things happening. Um, yes. Well, I think my voice is... Um... Yeah, I think we should probably let Marika have some time off. Um, I just wanted to inform you, though, uh, going back to our IMDb 250 oh. game, I uh, am about, uh, I think, probably... A quarter of the way through Interstellar. It's Uh-oh. a very long film. You're going to be catching me soon. I am, but as soon as I break the Interstellar barrier, I'm smack bang into Psycho. So then, uh, then I will have to watch Psycho. And I? I can't believe you're saying I will have to watch Psycho. I'm just, you know, I've seen it. I've seen the Vince Vaughn superior colour Vince Vaughn version. So, and while we're on uh, IMDb, one more documentary. If you haven't seen Cinema Paradiso, that's on there. Also, Capote's on there, which is quite interesting. Fargo is good. Fargo's Don't amazing. watch two days and one night. It is total turd. And Headhunters, he's still on there. You still sound angry, but Headhunters is great, right? Yeah, it is great. Right, okay. Network, that is great. 20 feet from stardom, that is great. Well, there you go. There's some options. If you've got any recommendations for Netflix or Blinkbox, Amazon Prime, if you are that way inclined, Now TV, any of these things, then do please let us know. Dear Film Fandango at gmail.com. Uh, 
And we do all of this for free. So if you'd like to donate towards Film Fandango to keep it free, then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the link from there. Everyone who has recently, or ever, in fact, over our 201 episodes, thank you very much. You are the reason we keep doing this. We'll be back next week. Keep watching Watching the the films. films. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.